If God ever broke one of his promises, you'd be pretty upset, wouldn't you? You'd be heartbroken, maybe. Your faith would be shattered, perhaps. But God keeps his promises. And God is asking us to be like him, to make a promise and keep it. Let your yea be yea. I do want to, to uh, bring to your attention the promises of God. The harvest we reap through faith promise giving. How many here were alive in 1964? Raise your hand if you were alive in 1964. Well, that is the minority of us. Uh, and those of us who were alive in 1964, we were quite a bit younger then, weren't we? Yeah. Well, in 1964... Walt Disney came out with a world-famous, popular movie. Um, anyone know the name of it? I think I heard someone say it. Put the, put the picture up. All right. How many have heard of this movie? Raise your hand if you've heard of this. That's just about every one of us. Mary Poppins. <coughs> it's... Um, a very delightful little movie. Um, of course, the hero, Mary, Mary Poppins, comes in to save the day. And um, what I want to bring to your attention is that uh, uh, she came to the home of George Banks. Do you remember that? And in the picture up here, uh, there are two children right here. Not this penguin here, but these two children, those are... Um, uh, uh, the Banks' kids, a little boy and little girl. And George Banks works for a bank in England. And so uh, one, one day in the movie, George is going to take his two kids to the bank and introduce them to the wonderful world of banking and, and they'll get to see what their daddy does at the bank. Well, it's kind of hilarious. Uh, I don't want to blow any thunder for anyone who's not seen it. But um, there is a delightful little scene in there where uh, the little boy has uh, two pence. They call it tuppence in England. Two pence, two pennies. And uh, this, this was taking place in 1910. And he wanted to use the money to buy bird food and feed the birds. And his father didn't want him to do that. He says, no, no, no. What you want to do is invest it in the bank. And it's quite comical how there's George Banks and all of the old men of the banking industry are all there and they're singing this song uh, and they're explaining to the boy and girl uh, what, what they'll get to be part of if they invest in the bank. And so uh, George is in there singing his part. By the way, George is played by a delightful character, David Tomlinson. I think he died in 2000, 22 years ago. But uh, he was a delightful uh, actor. Had a lot of tragedy in his life, but uh, I don't know if he knew the Lord. I sure hope he did. Let me say that. I don't know enough about him. But he did a, a good job uh, in his part. And so, uh, in fact, from that part, he got to play other things like Love Bug, Herbie the Love Bug, and all these other Disney things. And he became quite famous. Uh, but when he played this part of George Banks, here he is telling his two kids what they'll get to be part of. And he said, like, you know, 
You put your, your tuppence in the bank and, and you'll get to be part of railways through Africa. You'll get to be part of water dams across the Nile. He said you can be part of fleets of ships and plantations of ripening tea. And of course, the little boy wasn't all that impressed, right? He wanted to still feed the birds. But um, if you haven't watched the movie, it's, it's a cute one. I just encourage you to watch it and, and look for this part in the bank. And so here he is talking to his, his kids and telling them what they can be part of if they put their two pennies into the bank. Well, on the heels of that, I want to tell you what you can be part of if you get involved with faith promise giving for missions. You can be part of a worldwide missionary effort. And you will be seeing souls saved. You say, where? Where will the souls be saved? You will see souls saved in Botswana and Brazil and Cambodia and the Cameroons. You'll see souls saved here in Canada and El Salvador and Honduras and India and Indonesia and Japan and Korea and Liberia and Liechtenstein and Malawi and Mexico and Nepal. You will see souls saved in the Netherlands and Papua New Guinea and Paraguay and Peru and the Philippines and Romania and Russia and St. Lucia and Thailand, and Togo, and Uganda, and Ukraine, and the United Kingdom, and Uruguay, and the USA, just to name a few. You, if you invest in faith promise, will see an incredible harvest come your way. And we're going to talk about that today. Let's begin with prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, please move on our hearts Every one of us. Maybe there's someone here today or maybe they're watching at home online and they don't think they want to be part of Faith Promise. And Father, I know that, that you love a cheerful giver. I know, Father, that you bless a cheerful giver. I've seen that in my life and in many, many other lives over the years. And Father, we have that happy occasion now to be part of this, the greatest business in the world. And the world sure doesn't see it as great business. They would just see this as craziness, foolishness, throwing money away. And yet, it's not true. We are investing and we receive a harvest. We reap dividends. Father, help us as a church family to have 100% total involvement even the children can be involved with this. Please move on the hearts of the parents that they would help their children to be part of faith promise. Father, we're doing this for your honor and glory. So bless us now. Father, I do pray for those that are under a bit of a uh, sickness. I pray that you'd give me strength for my own voice so that I can bring this message across. And Holy Spirit, you give it the power and the life that you see fit. And we'll praise and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have an amazing passage before us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Would you open your Bible there, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What we have here is we have the church at Corinth undertaking a faith promise. 
Now, in this particular case, it's not so much a faith promise for missions as it is a faith promise to help out some Christians in Jerusalem that were undergoing persecution and they had a lot of trouble with their basic daily needs. And so God was moving on the hearts of the Corinthian believers to put together a special offering that Paul was going to, uh, to take and take to, uh, to Jerusalem. And he tells them here this principle, and we're all aware of it, if you look at verse 6, and read this verse out loud together with me, please. Verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And that is as true today as it was when the Apostle Paul first penned those words. It is true, folks. If you give just a tiny little bit, and you can afford to do so much more, but if you give just a tiny little bit, well, God will honor that. But all you'll get back is a tiny little bit. If you give more, God will give you more. This is reflected by the words of Jesus in Luke 6.38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. And then he goes on to say how great a measure you'll be given. It's according to what you give. It's the law of the harvest. You will reap what you sow. And God is very mindful of what you and I are doing right now for the cause of worldwide salvations. That's why we're doing it, to bring honor and glory to God. So we have an amazing promise here. And of course, in verse 8, this ought to be in your heart. This verse number 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And who of us wouldn't want to have all grace of God? That ye always having all sufficiency in all things. Who wouldn't want that? God will do that for us. And he will prosper us. We learned three Sundays ago. Our secret weapon. That God gives us the power to get wealth. He wants to do this for us as we want to do this for him. So it says we may abound unto every good work. Boy, that's pretty exciting. Um, Well, I'm here to tell you that there's not just one harvest. There's actually three. Three harvests. You say, what are they? Well, number one is uh, the first harvest is God reaps a harvest. When we get involved with faith promise and we support gospel preaching missionaries around the world, God reaps a harvest. Of course he does. He gets more children into his kingdom. And God is not willing that any should perish. That means to die and go to hell. But that all should come to repentance. Personal, individual repentance from sin and faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is how we become part of God's family. That is how we receive eternal salvation. And God is the first one who reaps a harvest. The gospel is spread. Lost souls come to know Jesus. Our missionaries are always updating us. Every three months, sometimes sooner, they give us an update on what's happening in their particular mission field. And over the course of the year, we're careful to tabulate and add up the number of lost souls that they're leading to Jesus Christ. 108 missionaries currently are leading approximately 1,000 souls to Christ 
around the world. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that number, a thousand, may be really a thousand a month, or maybe at times a thousand a week. People are coming to know Jesus Christ all over the world, and we're not aware of it. We just know of a small part of that through the letters of our missionaries. But God is the first one who reaps a harvest. Number two is lost souls reap a harvest. Do you remember when you got saved? <clears throat> Do you remember when you first came to know the Lord as your Savior? You felt like you hit the jackpot. And you did. You did. Well, every lost soul who gets saved feels the same thing. Lost souls, they reap a harvest. Aren't you glad that you're saved? Would you ever want to go back to being unsaved with all of the darkness and the burden and the guilt and weight of sin and no assurance of what's going to happen to you after you die? Who'd want to live like that? Once your eyes are opened, you never want to go back. And so God reaps a harvest, lost souls reap a harvest, but also the sower reaps a harvest. And that can be you and I. When we support Faith Promise Missions, we are sowing seed. And God promises that the sower will also reap a harvest. And I'm going to tell you about those blessings both here on earth and in heaven. I'm going to tell you more about those in just a few minutes. But we do all of this through what's called Faith Promise Giving. Well, someone might ask, is that the same as tithing? No. Faith promise is different from tithing. Now, today, I want you to look with me at the scriptures. And so that means you're going to have to have your Bible open and ready. We're going to look at several scriptures today. Folks watching online, glad you're here watching with us. But you have your Bible open as well. Don't let us do all the work. You do some work with us, okay? Let's spread the load. And so, let's begin by going back to the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, if you're not sure where it is, just find the first book of the New Testament. That's Matthew. And look one page to the left. And there you'll have Malachi. And if you look at chapter 3, God speaks of tithing in verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes. You see what he's talking about. He's not talking about offerings per se. He's talking about tithes. That refers to a tenth of your income. A tenth of your income. Now some people who've never tithed before, they think, wow, I couldn't afford to do that. Hey, my friend, you can do anything with the power of God. You can do anything with the power of God, and you do it by faith. We'll talk about that in, in a moment as well. But you tithe by faith. And after you tithe, you're going to find that God is going to start blessing you. And the blessings will come in various different ways. There'll be uh, blessings uh, in the home and family, uh, blessings of things that uh, don't break down. They, they seem to go on and on. You know, if you had to replace your refrigerator, say, uh, well, there's a thousand dollars at least. Some refrigerators cost a couple thousand and more. But imagine having a refrigerator that just seems to, every year, 
You say, wow, this is great. Uh, it just keeps on going. Same with your automobile. Now, I'm not suggesting that tithing will totally eliminate all repair bills. I'm not trying to tell you that. But I'm trying to tell you this, that things will tend to last longer. You know, in the wilderness, the Jews spent 40 years in the wilderness. You know, the Bible tells us, not even their sandals wore out. How many of you have a 40-year-old pair of shoes that are still going strong? I'd like to see them. Some of us, we buy a pair of shoes and in six months, you know, the laces have broken. Maybe the sole is cracked or something. And we're not particularly hard on these things. But I'm saying this. When you tithe, God will open to you some wonderful windows. That's his promise. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. By the way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, the church is called the store. So bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I've been receiving the blessings of the windows of heaven for 40, almost 48 years. Next month, it will be 48 years since I started tithing. And I can tell you, it works. But if you, if you go back, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 23. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter number 23. I want you to see that there's a difference between tithing and a faith promise or a, a free will offering, say, for example. There's a difference. Um, in chapter 23 of Deuteronomy, I want you to see verse 21. Now, this is the same God, the very same God who promised us the windows of heaven in Malachi chapter 3. This is the same God in Deuteronomy 23, verse 21. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. You see, this is not tithing. This is different, isn't it? This is like a, a faith promise or a free will offering, if you will. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it will be sin in thee. That's if you vow a vow and you say, well, I'm not going to give it anymore. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which has gone out of thy lips thou shalt keep and perform even a free will offering. You see, it's not tithing he's talking about. You know, you can't really give uh, a free will offering until you've tithed first. Tithing is platform. It's basic. God asks us to tithe. Why? We do it by faith to honor God. But you see, that's how you honor deity. All through the, the Bible, you'll see that. People that would honor deity. Now, the pagans would honor their pagan deities with tithes. That's what they would do. Tithing is first spoken of in the book of Genesis when Abraham came back from the, the, the battle and um, Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God, that's the one true living God that we love and adore and worship, Melchizedek came with bread and wine and said, Blessed be Abram, that was his name back then, Abram, you know, the servant of the Most High God, and Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek. 
And it was all in worship to Almighty God, the Most High God. Read it carefully. You'll see it's talking about the one true God. But God makes a, a difference between tithing and offerings. And if you look, please, at Psalm now. I told you we we're going to do a little work today. But go to about the middle of the Bible, book of Psalms and Psalm 50. By the way, this is one of the best ways to learn the Bible, is comparing Scripture with Scripture. You're not going to learn the Bible by sticking it under your pillow and sleeping on it. That's not how you're going to learn the Bible. You learn the Bible. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so the word study is the first word in that verse in Timothy. Study to show thyself approved. So that means comparing Scripture with Scripture. Psalm 50, 5 zero, And look at verse 14 and 15. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. You see, this is connected together. Look at verse 14 again. Look at the end of verse 14. After it says the Most High. Do you see a period in your Bible? Do you see a comma? Do you see a question mark? An exclamation mark? Do you see a semicolon? What's in your Bible? What is it? A colon. A dot over a dot. You say, what does that mean? It separates two halves of the equation. It means that both halves of the equation are somewhat similar, but the second half goes into further detail of what the first half is talking about. We do it all the time with the clock. We say it's 11.05 and between the 11 and the 05 we put a colon, a dot over top of a dot, right? 11.05. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, they're both elements of time, aren't they? The 11 and the 05. They're both parts of time, but the second describes the first in a little more detail. Does that make sense? Well, that's what we have here. Look at it, please. Verse 14, pay thy vows unto the Most High, colon. And now verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. This is a promise God makes to those who will vow a vow unto God and pay it. Isn't that interesting? The same God that you and I love and worship and adore is the same God who made us that promise. And so, are we talking the same as tithing, faith promise, tithing? No, they're different. They're different. And God puts special blessings with each. Well, can we give by logic? Can we just kind of figure it out and give by logic? We, we call that giving by sight. And the truth is, you and I are called upon to live by what? Faith, not sight. Faith is not, it's not something you see. You can't open up your, your wallet, your checkbook, your financial spreadsheet and say, well, now let me figure this out logically. That's not how you do it. It's not done that way. If you do it that way, you're going to make a mistake. What you have to do is go to God in prayer and Bible reading, little fasting. God, what do you want me to do? You put your faith in what God tells you to do. 
For some of us, it'll be a small amount because we're not used to giving. And God is not going to start us off with a big amount. He'll start us off with a small amount to encourage us and test our faith and make us stronger. For some others of us, we're already used to it. And he'll put a larger amount. I'll be honest with you. My wife and I are giving this year more than we've ever given before. <clears throat> we have no fear whatsoever. God has abundantly blessed us over these years. He will continue to do the same thing. It's only one more step. That's all it is for us. And that's what it'll be for you too. Each year, God will give you another step. And so you take that step and you do it by faith. By faith, not by sight. I'll tell you, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it tells us we are saved by faith. You didn't get saved by logic. You got saved when you, by faith, believed what God said, that your sin had separated you from heaven. You can't go to heaven because of your sin. All that's left is to die and go to hell. You got saved when Jesus knocked on your heart's door and said, may I pay for your sin? May I come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior? You got saved by faith when you opened your heart's door, when you repented of your sin and said, Lord Jesus, take over my life. And that's when you got saved. And by the way, if you haven't done that, then you're not saved. Even though you come to church, even though you read the Bible, even though you give in the offering time, you are not saved and on your way to heaven because you're only saved by faith. You see? But not only are we saved by faith, but Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says we live by faith. We're to live the same way we got saved, we're to live every day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7, it says we are to walk by faith, not by sight. In Romans 14 verse 23, it says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Boy, that's a deep one. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we have to give by faith, not by logic, not by sight. What are we talking about here today? We're talking about faith promise after seeking earnestly the face of the Lord in prayer, Bible reading, and a little fasting. We sense an amount that God would have us to give for missions. And then we act upon it. That's what faith promise is. Well, why do we have to make a promise? Well, would you turn, please, to Psalm 76. I think you're in Psalms now, aren't you still? Go to Psalm 76. Psalm 76. Verse number 11. Look at verse 11. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. It's very clear in the scripture, isn't it? God is wanting us to do it. It's, it's not just a suggestion. God is encouraging us to do this. Because we do it by faith. Great things happen by faith, folks. We are to vow and keep our promise. Did you know that God makes promises and keeps them? 
Did you know that? If God ever broke one of his promises, you'd be pretty upset, wouldn't you? You'd be heartbroken, maybe. Your faith would be shattered, perhaps. But God keeps his promises. And God is asking us to be like him, to make a promise and keep it. Let your yea be yea. So it's very important that we are very careful. God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give? And God will answer that prayer. Maybe you're here today and you're not, still not sure what God would have you give. Well, that's all right. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But keep seeking the Lord. Just keep seeking the Lord and he will show you. You say, well, what if it takes a month? Well, then it takes a month. What if it takes two months? Then it'll take two months. And then put in your faith promise card. Every year we have faith promise cards that are coming in weeks and months after faith promise missions because people are still seeking the Lord. But listen, whether you get saved early in life or whether you get saved on the last day of your life, the main thing is you get saved, right? So you can be in heaven. And whether you get the answer of faith promise on the first day of the conference or two months after the conference has ended, you still get the answer. So don't give up. Keep on seeking the Lord, but I don't think it'll take you two months. I think that if you're serious about it, God will show you fairly quick. Well, I told you earlier there were three harvests. Who gets the first harvest? Who? God gets the first harvest. Who gets the second harvest? Lost souls gets the second harvest. Who gets the third harvest? Yeah, those of us that are sowing. Not all of us, but those of us that are sowing. Now, if all of us are sowing, then we'll all get the harvest. But if some of us aren't sowing, right, we're not going to get the harvest because you will reap. As you sow, you will reap. And if you don't sow anything, guess what you're going to reap? Yeah, big fat donut. Well, what exactly are these benefits for us? Now, let's go to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew, and I want you to start seeing them. We're going to look at some scriptures now. <laughs> when we're done looking at these scriptures, I'm going to tell you a true story, and then we're going to close. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. Now, are you ready to help me? Yes? I need some help today. Uh, verse number 20. I want you to read it out loud. Folks at home, Matthew 6, 20. We're going to be listening for your voice. You folks on the internet, God bless you. You read out loud with us. Matthew 6, 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Here, our Lord and Savior Jesus is telling us that we can lay up riches and rewards in heaven so that there will be abundant wealth, heavenly wealth, waiting for us there. On earth, we have a certain idea of wealth. Well, in heaven, they have an idea of wealth as well. And they're not the same. When we're little children, we have an idea of wealth, maybe being candy, and toys, and we think that's wealth. Well, 
all you adults today, would you be willing to trade everything you own for a bit of candy and a few toys? You'd say, no way. I wouldn't do that. Why? It's not worth it. And you'd be right. But you see the difference when we're children, what we think is valuable compared to when we're adults. Well, folks, listen. When we get to heaven, we're going to see things as God sees them. And all of the money, the silver and the gold and all of the wealth of the world, we're going to realize that stuff's junk. There's a different kind of economy in heaven, a different type of wealth that they have up there. See? I have a collection, a very unusual collection. I've collected them for many years. Toothpaste tube caps. Now you might think, wow, I wish I had a collection of toothpaste tube caps. I would feel so incredibly wealthy if I had a big jar of toothpaste tube caps like the pastor has. Well, in reality, toothpaste tube caps are worthless. Well, then why do you collect them? Because nobody else does, that's why. I don't know of anyone who collects toothpaste tube caps. If you are a collector of toothpaste tube caps, we have something in common. I might like to talk with you a bit after. But I just do it just because it came into my head, you know, 30 years ago or something, and I thought, yeah, who, who in their right mind would collect toothpaste tube caps? <laughs> I'm going to collect toothpaste tube caps. So I got this big jar of toothpaste tube caps. It's worthless. Imagine if you could take all of your money, your stocks and bonds, and all of the things that you call wealth, and you could just put it in a U-Haul truck and take it to heaven with you. You know what you'd find in heaven? All you'd have is a bunch of toothpaste tube caps. It's worthless in heaven. There are far better, greater riches that God has for you. But you have to understand it by faith. God is telling you, trust me on this one. And Jesus is saying, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So this is the first of the blessings, this part of this harvest for you and for me. When we invest in lost souls getting saved all over the world, we're going to send ahead a lot of wealth so that when we get to heaven, there's a lot of rewards waiting for us. That's called investing, folks. But that's part of this. Now, let's go to the next gospel. Um, uh, the Gospel of Luke is what I want you to turn to. Chapter 6. <clears throat> now, I made reference to this earlier. Luke chapter 6, verse number 38. 38. Again, read it out loud with me now. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. There's the law of the harvest. And so if you will give generously, God will give back generously to you. Well, how will that happen? God will use men on earth to bless you. God will give you power to get wealth. This is God's promise. And so the second verse here tells us that we experience these great blessings from the Lord and many of them are going to be financial. That's God's promise. Okay, there's more to look at, so we've got to move on. Let's go to the book of Romans. 
So after Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter number 10. And this is a benefit in that we're obeying the Lord and it feels good when we obey the Lord, when we do what God asks us to do. Now, verse number 15, Romans 10, 15. Read that out loud with me. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God is excited about missionaries, good missionaries, gospel preaching missionaries. They're his favorite. And when we support them, helping them to get to the field, we are obeying the Lord. And it's a wonderful thing, uh, a relationship with our Heavenly Father, a closeness, knowing that we brought a smile to his face. We're obeying him. That is a reward as well. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And that was one chapter before our, our text today. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and 8. Read it out loud with me. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. When we support missionaries and give to faith promise, we are proving, we are demonstrating our love for God and our love for lost souls. Actions speak louder than words, right? There used to be a popular bumper sticker years ago and Christians would put it on their car, honk if you love Jesus. And that was popular many years ago and people would honk, honk, oh yeah, I love Jesus, honk, honk. But then someone came out with a, a better bumper sticker and said, if you love Jesus, don't honk, tithe. You see, actions always speak louder than words, even louder than the horn on your car, honk, honk. Anyone can press their horn. But how many are really going to demonstrate their love? Love is always best known by action. For God so loved the world that he honked his horn. From heaven, honk, honk. Love you folks, honk, honk. While we die and go to hell because there's no one to pay for our sins. God so loved the world, he gave. You see, it demonstrates our true love. So don't say you love God if you're not involved somehow with reaching the lost through faith promise. Now, let's look at verse number 9. Let's read that. For ye know, let's read it together. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. When we get involved with faith promise, what are we doing? We're following the example of Jesus. Jesus gave not just money. He gave his life for us. And as we give to help others get saved, we are following his example. That's good. Even if there weren't any other blessings, which there are, these 
right here in verse 8 and 9 are fantastic. Now, if you go um, to verse 10, and tell you what, uh, just follow as I read verse 10 and 11. And herein I give my advice, this is Paul writing, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it. He's talking about a, uh, like a faith promise offering a giving. He says, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to, uh, to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. And simply this, we're following Paul's advice. By being part of faith promise, you're following Paul's. If the Apostle Paul were here today, would he encourage us to support gospel preaching missionaries? Yes or no? Yes, he would. He would. And we are following his advice. Now we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 2. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal hath provoked very many. Do you realize that when you get involved with faith promise you are encouraging other Christians to do it as well? You'll turn in a card and we'll put the card up with all the others on the back wall. And other Christians will come in and we'll see, what's this? Missions giving. And they'll see all these cards, monthly, yearly, bi-weekly and weekly, of all of the people involved with helping get the gospel around the world. And God will use that to stir their heart. Maybe I should be involved as well. Your giving will encourage others. And that's exactly what was happening here. The Corinthian church was being used to encourage others as well. And of course we read verses 6 to 8. We'll not read them again, but it's, you know, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. In verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And the point is, you will experience the pouring out of God's grace in your life. And then finally, I want you to see this. If you turn a few pages to the right, you'll see Galatians, Ephesians, and then go to Philippians, chapter number 4. Chapter number 4. Philippians chapter 4. In verse number 18, pardon me just a second. Boy, I tell you, lemon water is sure good on the throat. Ah, ah, feel good. <clears throat> okay, he writes, but I have all and abound. I am full. We're in verse 18, chapter 4. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. By the way, uh, tonight, Pastor Ivan has got a special message on Epaphroditus. Is that right, Pastor Ivan? You, still, you haven't lost it? You still got it? Okay, I've seen it. It's a goodie. So I want to encourage you to be here at 6 o'clock tonight. When you come, you encourage others. You know that? So here, he, Paul received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Now look, look how he describes it. An odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. That's what God thinks of your faith promise. God is absolutely delighted by what you'll do. And then, of course, you have his promise in verse 19. But my God shall supply 
all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That promise is for that Christian who is involved in supporting missions. That promise right there. Well, again, you have in front of you a faith promise card if you haven't used it yet. Maybe you're ready to use it today. Folks watching online, you can go to gbconline.ca and click on Faith Promise and follow the instructions if you're ready to put in your faith promise for God. I want to tell you a story. True story. It just happened a couple of years ago down in the United States in Texas. There was a young uh, lady. She's married. And uh, her and her husband, they were going to do some renovation on their home. And so she was all excited about this. And she went up to the attic. And she was working away there. And she had uh, a nail gun. Do you know what a nail gun is? Uh, usually they're operated by uh, compressed air. But these days you can get them battery-powered electric. And you put in a row of nails and it shoots them out. Boom, boom, boom. And it makes nailing very fast. So they're very popular, these nail guns. But they can be dangerous. And so <clears throat> this young gal, her name was Joy Wiggins. Joy Wiggins was her name. And this was just a, a, just a few years ago, not long ago. So she's up in the attic and she's got a board and she's trying to nail this board so she took the gun and turned it this way. Can you see what I'm doing? And the idea was she was going to nail this board. Well, she missed the board. She pulled the trigger, missed the board and shot herself in the chest. It didn't take long for her to realize what she had done. And she called out to her husband and she came down from the attic and she collapsed, she fainted, she passed out. Now her husband knew exactly what she had done and knew exactly what he had to do. And so right away he called 911 and he got her to the hospital ASAP. Now I, I looked up, I couldn't help, but I looked up the statistics in the United States. And every year, 42,000 people shoot themselves with a nail gun through the hand, through the foot. They've got it in the head. This young lady got it, you know, right in the chest by her heart. 42,000 people every year injure themselves with a nail gun. Well, they got Joy Wiggins to the hospital and they had to perform quite some miraculous surgery on her. But she pulled through. She lived. And the doctor said, the surgeons said, it's a miracle that she survived with no brain damage because when they got her to the hospital, her heart had stopped. You know what happens when your heart stops for any length of time. You start suffering brain damage. 
And she was very fortunate of God not to have any brain damage. But you know something? She was fortunate of God to have a caring husband because he acted ASAP to get her to the hospital. And I want you to know something. All around the world, men and women have shot themselves with the nail gun of sin. And sin has penetrated their heart, their soul, their spirit, their mind, their thinking. And they are alienated from God. And if we don't act quickly, people are going to die and go to hell. Folks, there is no time to lose. We need to get on the bandwagon. Every one of us needs to be part of faith promise. Would you do it today? Pray with me. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.